St. John the Baptist stands as a great figure at the start of Advent whose prophecy leads us to the mystery of Christmas. And now that the Christmas season has concluded, we enter the season of ordinary time, and the church places him before our eyes once again, sort of like a a bookend to what began in Advent. St. John the Baptist points out and proclaims the identity and the mission of the Lord Jesus. Hearing from him at the beginning of ordinary time sets the stage for this season that makes up the vast majority of the church's liturgical year. In ordinary time, we'll hear in the gospel readings each Sunday about the public ministry of Jesus, his teachings, his miracles, his parables, and the fulfillment of our salvation by his suffering and death and his resurrection. Now, there's quite a bit that's interesting in the brief gospel passage that we've heard today. There are a few questions worth exploring, but I'll focus on only one. How can John say that he doesn't know Jesus? They were cousins, after all. Yet, John says twice in the passage, I did not know him. When you look at scriptural evidence, we know that Mary was in Nazareth when she went with haste to the hill country of Judah to pay a visit to Elizabeth, who was pregnant with John. And we can assume that Nazareth, where Jesus grew up, and the hill country of Judah, where Elizabeth and John were from, were anywhere from about 80 to 110 miles apart. That's maybe a a four-day journey one way on foot, or maybe a bit quicker on a donkey. It's certainly not impossible that Jesus and John should have known each other. They weren't that far apart geographically, and after all, Mary was able to make the journey herself. Wouldn't the close family ties of the ancient culture mean that the families would have gotten together on at least some occasions, and so the two cousins should have known each other? How can we understand John's statement I did not know him. Some of the writings of the ancient fathers of the church point out some scriptural evidence that can provide an answer. St. John Chrysostom references the story of the birth of St. John the Baptist, and he notes what St. Luke's gospel tells us in Luke 1, verse 80. After the account of his birth, Luke's gospel says of St. John, And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness till the day of his manifestation to Israel. The wilderness, the desert near where John was born and was from, had a known community of Jewish monastic life out in the desert. Such communities would become known centuries later in our time for the discovery of scriptural fragments in what are known as the Dead Sea Scrolls. It's not unknown in ancient times, though it sounds strange to us, that monastic communities would sometimes raise children in their community. There might be abandoned or orphaned children brought to the community because they had no family. In other cases, parents may have dedicated a child to God in such a way that they gave the child to the community to be trained in godly ways. So there is reasonable speculation that this may have been the case with St. John the Baptist. 
When he became publicly known, after all, he was known to be dwelling in the desert. And he dressed in a way that certainly revealed not a normal, conventional way of life, but a rather disciplined, ascetical life. In other words, not everyone was going around dressed in camel's hair and eating locusts. In any event, St. John's, I did not know him, can be understood to mean that John did not grow up with his family, and so he and Jesus would not have grown up interacting, and John would not have known him by sight. He certainly knew that he had a cousin named Jesus, but it may well be that St. Luke's gospel reveals they did not know one another or grow up together. And furthermore, we know that the two cousins did not grow up together because we know Jesus grew up in Nazareth. Thus, St. John comes to know Jesus by sight and is able to point out the one he had been told would come with power to baptize with the Holy Spirit when the Spirit descended and remained upon Jesus at the baptism. That was the sign told to John. In this sense, St. John knew of Jesus, but he did not know him or recognize him until the Holy Spirit descended and remained upon him. Another ancient father, St. Cyril of Jerusalem, suggests that God may have arranged that the two cousins grew up apart and only came together at this gospel moment in order to preserve the credibility of John's testimony, in order to prevent any claim of family collusion, that John was just showing favoritism and preference toward a cousin by claiming he was the one promised to come in the power of the Holy Spirit. We hear this gospel passage today so that it is clear that Jesus is being identified as the Lamb of God, the one who in his divine nature pre-existed his older cousin, St. John, and who is the one upon whom the Holy Spirit rested at his baptism. This event thus, thus allows John to fulfill his own mission to give testimony that Jesus is not only a cousin, that he is not only a man from Nazareth, but that he is the Son of God. St. John tells us about his own purpose and mission. He says, the reason why I came baptizing with water was that he might be made known. And he goes on, now I have seen and testified that he is the Son of God. At the start of a new year, this gospel reminds us that the one we follow and say we are conforming our lives to is the one known in his human nature as the man from Nazareth, the son of the carpenter, but who also exists in a divine nature, making him also the pre-existent Son of God, the one who takes away our sins and those of the world, the one who comes in the power of the Holy Spirit. He offers us freedom from our sins, and he offers us salvation. But we have to heed the testimony of John that points him out in his true identity. Jesus is God and man, the Savior of the world, the new Passover Lamb of God. We have to come to Jesus to receive and to maintain communion with his offer of salvation. In other words, we don't just come to him once. We have to maintain that communion. That when we sin, we are not maintaining communion with him. 
Rather, we are weakening, and in the sense, in the case of serious sin, breaking the covenant by which we have the hope of heaven. St. John came to give testimony to Jesus. And this serves as a good lesson for us of that common work of evangelization, that is, the mission of the church and each disciple. We, too, should give testimony so that Jesus is made known to others. We should find new ways to speak of Jesus and to speak of our faith. We should take new steps in the spirit of St. John to give testimony to others in our daily living that we belong to Jesus. We do that by words, yes, but we also need to do that by example. We should resolve to guard and strengthen our union with Jesus and his offer of salvation by coming to know him as a friend in daily prayer, by regular confession of our sins, and by placing ourselves devoutly at Holy Mass, where he reveals himself to us in the scriptures and in the breaking of the bread of life. Just as St. John had a mission to give testimony to Jesus, we should embrace that the lay faithful have the mission of making Jesus known in the midst of daily pursuits out in the secular world. Now that most directly begins at home where you welcome and raise children, modeling the faith for them. You also help them appreciate a sense of their own mission, giving particular attention to creating the atmosphere in the family where children come to know Jesus and can hear the call to their own vocation. Surely, some among us, among our parish families, among our young men and women, will have a call, like St. John, to give testimony to Jesus by means of an evangelical commitment in the priesthood or the religious life. We might ask ourselves, are we fostering an atmosphere in our parish? Are you fostering one in your families where such a call is welcomed and encouraged? That, after all, is a clear and direct way to see that testimony to Jesus continues well into the future. Finally, we ask the intercession of St. John to inspire us to not be intimidated, to go out into our world, one that is increasingly more like a wild wilderness where John dwelt, in order to give unambiguous and joyful testimony that Jesus is our God and Savior, and that we can form our lives to the same one pointed out by St. John. Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world.